We look this morning at a very familiar story taken from Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38 and reading through verse 42. Luke 10, starting at verse 38. As they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. The Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away. From her. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we open your word today, that you would enable us to listen to what you have to say, that our focus today, Lord Jesus, would be upon you. And that we would come to understand, if we have not already, that the one thing that, that we really need is a growing relationship with you as we listen to your word. Father, would you teach us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. How do you know when you're growing old? If you look online, you'll find lots of ways you can find that signs of growing old. For example, you know you're growing old when it takes twice as long to look half as good. Any of you experienced that? You know you're getting old when everything hurts and what doesn't Hurt doesn't work. You know you're getting old when your knees buckle and your belt won't. You know you're getting old when people call you at 9 o'clock in the evening and say, Did I wake you? Another sign of getting older is that your ability to see things clearly diminishes. The change is usually slow enough that you don't always really notice it. And if you don't know what your vision should be, fuzzy vision can seem at least somewhat normal. One of my daughters told me this story. She was at a Major League Baseball game with her family, and they were sitting, I don't know, up in the stands far away and you know, watching the game and And she made some comment about not being able to see the baseball. And they said, you can't see the baseball? Well, no, can you? (laughs) Well, of course we could see the baseball. She thought that was normal. You go to this game, a baseball game, and you can't even see the ball. How is that normal, huh? But that's what happens, you know, with your eyesight. It's such a slow enough change that You might not realize that you're not seeing things as clearly as you ought to. I believe the same thing can happen to us spiritually. If we don't spend time in God's Word, our spiritual vision can become fuzzy. And what happens then is we, we look at things more and more like the world looks at things, and we may not even realize it. My mom and dad told me about a friend that they knew from the time they grew up, 
And they both moved away. Then they moved back to that little town. And, and she was going then to this church that was clearly a Bible-preaching, Jesus-honoring church. But over the years, she had attended a church that really wasn't on focus. And her spiritual vision had become fuzzy. And what she said was, they talk so much about the blood of Jesus as if there was something wrong with that. And my dad said, praise God for that. That's our focus, what Jesus Christ has done for us. So over time, she had not been in the Word and and her spiritual sight had become very fuzzy. We need our spiritual focus to be sharpened daily, don't we? We need to be in the Word of God so that we are seeing things clearly and that we aren't starting to see things the way the world sees things because our focus has become fuzzy. So we need to see Jesus more clearly. And our text gives us then three reasons why we need a sharpened focus upon Jesus. Notice, first of all, a sharpened focus on Jesus is the one thing that we need the most. If you were asked to make a list of all the things that you need, what would you put on that list? Things that you really need. Not things that you want, but things that you really need. Food and water, would you put that on your list? I think that's a good one. A place to live, would you put that on your list? Money, friends, a job, a car, a really nice car, two or three cars. A list of all the things we think we need could end up fairly long, especially if we view some of our wants as our needs. But if we were to boil it down to the one thing we need the most, what would it be? I would suggest to you that the one thing that we need the most is a growing relationship with Jesus. That's the one thing that we need Our text describes a time then when Jesus visited the home of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And so Martha is getting a meal ready for, for Jesus and the guests, and Mary then is sitting at the Lord's feet listening to his word. We know the story well, right? Martha isn't pleased with Mary. Mary wasn't helping her, and so she goes and tells Jesus about it. Verse 40 says, Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. And Jesus answered then in verse 41 and said to her, Martha, Martha. I don't know what what tone of voice that was, but when he said her name twice, I think that's significant. Martha, Martha, he said, you are, uh, where are we? You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, 
which shall not be taken away from her. So Jesus makes it clear here that spending time with him is the one thing that is necessary, right? And Mary firmly believed that. It's interesting, if you look at how Mary is mentioned in Scripture, it's quite fascinating. Warren Wiersbe makes this comment. He said, Mary of Bethany is seen three times in the Gospel record, and on each occasion she is in the same place, at the feet of Jesus. She sat at his feet and listened to his word. We see that in our text. She fell at his feet and shared her woe in John 11, verse 32. And she came to his feet and poured out her worship in John chapter 12, verse 3. So whenever you see Mary in the New Testament, what's she doing? She's at the feet of Jesus. It was the one thing that she needed the most. A growing relationship with Jesus is the one thing that we need the most. Because all that we need, we find in Jesus. Would you agree? Everything we need, we find in Jesus. Forgiveness. Life. Hope. Heaven. Purpose. Security. Safety. Provision for our daily needs. And that's just the start. That's just the beginning of all that is ours in Jesus. More than anything else in the world, we need Jesus. Would you say amen to that? Thank you. Good to see Lutheran saying amen, but I had to ask you to do it. Shouldn't have to ask you to do that, right? So let me ask you, do you have Jesus? Do you spend time with Him every day so that your spiritual focus is sharp? That your worldview is clearly biblical? And you're not thinking like the world thinks and viewing things like the world views things because your spiritual vision is just a little bit fuzzy. Sharpening our focus on Jesus, the one thing that we need the most. The second thing we learn here, a sharpened focus on Jesus is the one thing, want to guess what it is, that can't be taken away from us. Notice what's verse 42. Jesus said, Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Ever thought about all the things that can be taken away? All the things that we have that can be gone just like that? How about our possessions? They can be gone. I mean, people have lost everything they've owned with tornadoes and hurricanes and floods and, and fires. Possessions were here one minute and gone the next. People can be taken from us, right? Loved ones. My mother and father died eight weeks apart to the very day. So in a period of two months, they were gone. Our health can be taken from us. I think of those, some of my uncles who, whose, whose lives were changed in a moment with a stroke. Ended up in the nursing home. Couldn't communicate. All I could do was go like this and that. and It was sad. For many different reasons, our jobs can be taken from us. 
We've seen that in the last couple of years, haven't we? With all these shutdowns and, and mandates and so forth, people uh, not, not having a job anymore. And I purposely mentioned all these things because there is someone in Scripture to whom this happened. I think of Job. His possessions, right? His children. His health. The support of his wife and his so-called friends. <laughs> All of those things were gone. But Job had something that couldn't be taken away from him. He had a growing relationship with the Lord, and that's what made the difference in his life, didn't it? Look at Job chapter 1, verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. Imagine that. All of that was gone. He falls to the ground and worshipped. And then he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. What's the last phrase? Blessed be the name of the Lord. How could he say that? Because he had the Lord in his life. He had a growing relationship with the Lord. And that's what makes the difference in our lives. Especially when trials come. When people lose things that they consider to be so valuable without Jesus, they're crushed. But when you have the Lord, you have something that can't be taken away. Something the world cannot give and the world cannot take away. Do you have that? Do you know Jesus? Sitting at his feet daily so that your focus on him can be sharpened. Notice thirdly, a sharpened focus on Jesus is the one thing that puts everything else into the proper perspective. When life gets busy, like Martha, it's easy to get a little bit frazzled, isn't it? You look at your calendar and you look at your schedule and then something else shows up and it's just like, whoa, how am I going to do this? And so here, here's Martha. She, she, she's getting a, a meal prepared for, for her guests. Her head is spinning. If you are the one who does the cooking in your home, uh, you can identify with, with Martha, especially when you have guests for dinner, right? There's the pressure to make that meal tastes good, right? You don't want the kids that are visiting to say, I don't like this. Your kids ever done that? You kick them under the table, right? Ouch! Why did you do that to me? Why did you kick me? Huh? You don't want that to happen. So that, there's that pressure. And then the pressure that you want everything to be done at the right time, right? And you're trying to deal with three or four different dishes and so forth, and you're trying... Get it all done at the same time. That, that can be a bit challenging. So if you put yourself in Martha's shoes, you can understand her frustration, right? Here she is just laboring over the stove and trying to get things ready. And there's Mary just sitting there at the feet of Jesus, just taking in all that Jesus had to say. Can you understand where there was a little bit of Frustration there. So let's not be hard on the cook, okay? Don't bite the hand that feeds you. You've heard that, right? So don't be hard on the cook. And Martha 
from what we gather in Scripture here and elsewhere, seems to be the kind of person who wasn't afraid to say what she was thinking. You know anybody like that? Married to anybody like that? Have children like that? I don't picture anyone saying to Martha, would you quit beating around the book and tell me what you really think? (laughs) I was in a congregation one time. There was a lady there that I used to joke with her, you know, after she'd just, just lay it out on the line exactly how she felt. I would say, would you quit beating around the bush and tell me what you really think? I mean, Martha was that kind of kind of gal. And she told Jesus exactly what she was thinking about her sister, right? And I'm assuming she said it with a little bit of frustration. She said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Maybe she said it like, I don't know. Something like that. Tell her to help me. Tell her to help. So she was frustrated because she expected her sister to see what's going on in the kitchen, expected her to lend a helping hand, and and Mary didn't meet her expectations. And so Martha was irritated with her. It bugged her. She was having to make this meal alone, and, and Mary wasn't helping. Martha reminds me a little bit of Peter's conversation with Jesus in John chapter 21. He seemed to struggle there in a similar way. Uh, Jesus said to him in verse 18, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So you put yourself in Peter's shoes and the Lord says, okay, there's going to come a time when it's going to be tough for you. Okay, just follow me. What does Peter do? Verse 20, Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. That was John. The one who also had leaned back on his bosom at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, seeing John, said to Jesus, well, what about this man? Okay. Now, you're, you, you've said what's going to happen to me, and it isn't so good. Well, what about John then? Jesus said to him, he said, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Whoa. I kind of think that might have taken Peter back, but but he needed to hear that because he was comparing his life with John's life and said, well, I'm going to be going through this, well, what about him? Let me ask you, have you ever compared yourselves to others in a way that irritated you? For example, why is my life so hard and so easy for him? Why am I doing so much for the Lord and, and others aren't? Or why are others able to do things that I can't? 
Do you know what that's a sign of? That's a sign that we need to get our focus on Jesus, right? Because either it's a focus on me, oh, poor me. No one has it as bad as me. Everybody else has it better than me. Do you think that's what Mary was going through a little bit? You know, here I am slaving and got this sister that isn't helping me. And Jesus wanted to get her focus off of that and on on him. It's amazing how our attitude changes when we focus on Jesus. When we focus on Jesus, we aren't so concerned about what others do or what others don't do, right? I'll have to confess to you, early in my ministry, I kind of struggled with, had certain expectations of, you know, congregational members, you know, of, of, of what, you know, what a committed Christian ought to do. And, and in particular, I remember having uh, special meetings where we'd have a speaker come in and the, 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 the audience was so small, it was, em- I was embarrassed. We invite this guy to come in and, and nobody shows up and I'm just thinking, where are you people? Where's your commitment to Jesus? And I have to say, it, was, it frustrated me until I got to the point where I just said, you know what? I am not going to let what others do or don't do rob me of my joy. I want to focus on Jesus and I'll be thankful if two people come. <laughs> I'm not going to be so concerned about what others do or, or don't do. Right? When you've got your eyes on Jesus, you're not so bothered by what others do or don't do. So that's what Martha was concerned about. Tell her to help me. Here I am doing all this, and there's Mary. She's, she's not helping me. But the frustration goes even a little bit deeper because... There, there's a sense in which Mary was frustrated with Jesus. Or Martha was frustrated with Jesus. Because Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his word, and then Martha comes and says to the Lord, Do you not care? Who's she saying that to? To Jesus. Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all this serving alone? Tell her to help me. Now, to Martha's credit, she was honest with Jesus, wasn't she? She was absolutely honest. She was telling him exactly how she felt. And maybe the reason why she did that is she read the Psalms. (laughs) Because how often are the psalmists telling the Lord exactly how they feel? In the midst of trials and troubles, they are just laying it out before the Lord and And so we can say about Martha, you know, at least she was honest. I think we need to be honest because the Lord knows what we're thinking anyhow, right? He knows exactly how we feel, and I don't think he's overwhelmed when we tell him so because he already knows. But sometimes in our frustration, we may say things to others and to the Lord that really aren't completely 
accurate. We see this with Martha. She's, she's questioning if Jesus even cares about her. Does Jesus care about us? Absolutely. There are times in our frustration we might say or at least think like Martha did, Lord, don't you, don't you care about me? Look at what I'm facing. Look what I'm going through. Now, based on how Jesus responded to Mary's frustration, I think there's a one lesson in particular that he wanted her to learn. Although there is a time when we ought to serve Jesus, and she had done that many times as he looked through the, the Gospels, there's also a time to listen, isn't there? In other words, we need to have a balance between giving out and taking in. A balance between serving and listening because both are needed, right? Both are needed. It's not one or the other. Well, I'm a server. I don't need my Bible. Or I'm in the Word. I don't need to serve. I think there's a balance there. And I think we see that in the lives of both of these women. Let me explain that to you. Sometimes I wonder if we approach this story in a way that really isn't accurate. We tend to to make this sharp contrast between Mary and Martha, as if all that Martha ever did was serve and all that Mary ever did was sit at Jesus' feet. That's not the whole picture. I would suggest to you that both Martha and Mary had a balance in their lives between serving Jesus and listening to Jesus. This is seen in a couple of places. In John chapter 12, we see Martha and Mary both serving Jesus. Here's what it says, John 12 verse 1. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. That was their brother. So they made a supper there, and Martha was serving. Is that a shock? That is not a shock. Okay, She was serving. Then it says in verse 3 that Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. Mary's act of service here is really quite amazing because if Judas is correct, what he says in verse 5 of John 12, the value of the perfume that Mary used to anoint the feet of Jesus was almost worth a year's wages. 300 denarii would be 300 days worth of wages. What a sacrificial act of service to Jesus, right? Kent Hughes says this was an intensely fervent expression of devotion as fervent as any found anywhere in sacred scripture. In fact, in the mind of Judas, this act of service was so sacrificial that he actually complained about it. He said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the, mother given, and the, and the money given to the poor? But Jesus defended Mary. 
And he tells us why she served him in this way in John 12, verse 7. Therefore Jesus said, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. There's something that Mary understood that even the apostles didn't quite grasp because Jesus had repeatedly told what's going to happen. He was going to be crucified. And the third day he would rise again. And it just like it went in this ear and went out that ear. But Mary, she caught it, caught that. She, she listened to his word. And that's why then she served Jesus in this way. The hearing and the listening of the word resulted in her service to Jesus. The two went hand in hand. What about Martha? We see her serving Jesus in our text. We see her serving Jesus on the day that Mary anointed Jesus. Is that all she did? No. She must have listened to Jesus because there's a conversation that goes on between Jesus and Martha about her brother Lazarus in John 11. Listen to this conversation. Verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. There's Martha. Mary stayed in the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Tell him just exactly what she's thinking. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? What did Martha say? Yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Notice all all that Martha believed about Jesus. She believed that Jesus had the power to heal Lazarus. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died, she said. She believed that Jesus could do something about the death of Lazarus. She said, even now, he's dead. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And when Jesus asked her if she believed that he is the resurrection and the life, She said, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. If that sounds familiar, it should. Because that's very similar to Peter's confession. Matthew 16, 16, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. How did Martha come to believe all this about Jesus? I would suggest to you that that she wasn't always in the kitchen cooking food. She learned to listen to Jesus like Mary did. She heard the truth about who Jesus is and what He would do and why He had come. So she also listened to the Word of Jesus. So let's not 
make this sharp contrast. Who do you want to be like, Martha? Or do you want to be like Mary? They both had a balance in their life, right? Serving and yet listening to Jesus' word. I think of my mother. My mother served, I don't know how many meals in our home over the years. I mean, people were over all the time, and she was bringing food to people who were sick, and, and, and she had a, the heart of a servant. But she also, I remember many times, coming upstairs, and there she sat at the love seat, Bible in her hand, reading God's Word, taking in the truth of God's Word. Just a, a real balance in, in her life. You have that balance in your life? Serving Jesus, yet listening to His Word. I think that's what God would, would want for us. Not one or the other, but both and. Those two really go together, don't they? When we are sharpening our focus on Jesus through His Word, we want to serve others. We want to minister to others. We want to give of ourselves to to serve them. Sharpening our focus on Jesus. It's the one thing we need the most. It's the one thing that can't be taken away from us. It's the one thing that puts everything else into the proper perspective. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. I pray that we would make that commitment to spend time sitting at your feet, listening to your word every day of our lives, recognizing, Lord, that that is the one thing that we need more than anything else. Father, help us then to serve one another, to give of ourselves, to encourage and to strengthen and to help those in time of need. These things we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake.